Live from an undisclosed location, this is the Gribble Nation Roadcast. Uh, this is Tom. I haven't done a roadcast in a while, really, because I haven't thought of anything, probably since Old Pedro Mountain Road, that I thought was probably meriting a full roadcast. But uh, Doug posted something about all the stuff he did this summer, uh, so I thought that would probably make for... An interesting topic. Uh, so kind of going through the list, I'm kind of considering the start of June kind of unofficially to begin on, you know, first week of June. Uh, anyways, uh, started out kind of the summer travel season, kind of trying to think of like what I could do that wasn't going to be probably very popular or very in season. Um, so I kind of expected places like Zion um, Zion National Park, Yosemite, like probably to be overwhelmed by kind of people on the rebound from, you know, post 2020 COVID lockdowns and stuff like that. And given some of the national park statistics that I read, uh, namely Zion National Park, that kind of proved to be true. Uh, so the first trip I went on was out to Florida, uh, where I have a lot of family, uh, during June, which is usually not a very attractive time to go out there. And I can, I can say that as a Florida resident, it is usually kind of when the weather is kind of turned to muggy and really just generally unpleasant. But nonetheless, it actually turned out to be kind of a nice week out there because uh, it was kind of the end of the dry season. Uh, so the start, the trip started out with the drive down US 27 from uh, Lakeland towards Miami. Uh, this kind of was my preferred alternate to the Turnpike, I-95 and I-75 when I lived in Florida and often traveled for work down to Key West. So it's just kind of a nice four-lane, mostly four-lane expressway uh, that kind of travels through the center of the state. It doesn't have a lot of traffic on it. Um, Kind of gets annoyed in places like Sebring where they got a lot of traffic lights, but but you know like once you get to the Everglades and pretty much like Highlands County, it's pretty much all pretty open. Uh, anyways, we took that down to Everglades National Park and uh, Biscayne National Park. So we took Main Park Road all the way down to Flamingo. My wife has never seen either of those parks, so we got to knock it off both her list. Um, Main Park Road is kind of interesting. I want to say I did a full. Gribble Nation Roadcast on it. I actually cannot recall at the top of my head, um, but it is basically a modernization of the old Ingram Highway uh, between Florida City and Flamingo. So it's just kind of this neat little two-lane road that goes over you know, a lot of the rural Ever Everglades. Um, Biscayne National Park, unless you really got a boat, you're, you're kind of missing a lot of the point of it. Um, Kind of interesting how that was created. It was kind of meant to be kind of a block of, you know, a development on Elliott Key, uh, on the Florida Keys chain. Um, on the way back towards Tampa, we used Alligator Alley. Didn't bother with the Tamiami Trail. Um, tried to see if there's anything I was missing previously in Alligator Alley. Eh, not, not really. It's kind of boring. Um, I don't know. I understand why that's so hyped up in the road community. I-75 through Alligator Alley is just... Boring. <laughs> I believe it is actually the straightest segment of the interstate system because uh, it only has like one tiny little curve in it right in the middle there. Um, so if you're ever in the Everglades and you're looking for a through road, I would probably recommend US 41 on the Tamiami Trail or US 27. They're much, much more interesting. Uh, my wife did want to visit Disney World um, to kind of compare how they stack up with Disneyland or to compare how it stacks up with Disneyland in California. Um, 
I took quite a, fo- a few photos of the, you know, the road system out there, like, you know, like World Drive. Uh, they got a lot of interesting, weird signage. Uh, Disney World has a lot of fully limited access roadways that don't follow the MUTC in any form or fashion. They're like weird purple guide signs, uh, weird interpretation of highway shields. It's fascinating from that perspective uh we went to epcot to figure something a little bit more adult oriented um i think it kind of compared favorably favorably to what you remembered in disney world disneyland i haven't been to disney anything uh since 1993 before that uh we did go to ybor city in tampa which this was probably the coolest thing we did uh just really cool older part of the city that was you know built around cigar industry and got annexed by Tampa fairly quickly. So it's very scenic. Um, kind of reminds me a lot of more like what you would see on the West coast with a lot of masonry buildings and stuff like that. We did take the sunshine skyway bridge over I two seventy five to, um, you know, in route to Siesta key in Sarasota. So we checked out like pretty much all the old, you know, state roads that got recently turned over to Sarasota and Siesta key or Sarasota County. Also, uh, we checked out St. Armand Circle and Florida State Road 789. So just kind of a low-key trip. It was mainly meant to you know, see family and stuff like that. So really nothing too epic in scale compared to what stuff I used to do when I lived in the area. Uh, when I returned to California a couple weeks later, I actually went out to uh, Gavoida Pass to check out uh, an overlook of US 101 and California State Run split through the pass. Uh, so they took the opportunity to go check out some other stuff, like uh, kind of map out like all the old alignments of US 101 uh, in the Santa Barbara Channel. So uh, that was pretty substantial in the blog series, getting that all tracked. It was actually probably one of my favorite blogs I've done on old highway alignments, just given that you had things like the Rincon Causeway, uh, which is like a planked road that really kind of made direct access between Santa Barbara and Ventura reality. It was just kind of a neat blog to do. Um, so I also checked out places like Royal Ground, Pismo Beach, San Luis Obispo. So there was a lot of stuff that came out of that trip, and it was mostly a day trip. I took uh, California State Route 33 uh, on the Maricopa Highway back home, which is just uh, probably California's most underrated, fun driving road. It's also an old segment of U.S. Route 399. So if you're looking for a fun road in California, you're looking to get away from L.A. towards the Central Valley, that is highly recommended. It is a 1930s era roadway, so it is just built with the terrain in mind. Uh, it has a couple cool tunnels. Um, really a lot of fun curves that are high speed. Uh, really has my highest recommendation. Uh, going through the list, I did go to a... I haven't been to... Baseball game in Oakland in forever, but in July, uh, rather than kind of try to wedge myself into some place that was overwhelmed with crowds, um, we went to see the Oakland A's play the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are my wife's team, so I haven't been to the Oakland Coliseum in forever. Uh, I think I lived in Phoenix the last time I was out there, so kind of neat to see. Like I, I not definitely not as scenic as, you know, San Francisco Giants, their ballpark, but um, it's kind of got this old brutalist design that's kind of aging fairly well, uh, given it has access to a BART station. Uh, I, I, I kind of like the lower-key atmosphere. 
Did do a camping trip up in uh, Sierra National Forest in July. Uh, it's usually our traditional camping weekend uh, up on the Sierra Vista Scenic Byway, uh, which is Forest Road, Forest Routes 10, 7, and 81 in um, Sierra National Forest. It forms about a, like 81-mile loop of pretty much the heart of Sierra National Forest, and it kind of culminates in a really cool drive down Forest Route 81 via Minarets Road uh, in the San Joaquin River Canyon. Uh, that was kind of a, a popular one when we did the blog on that one a couple of years ago. Uh, and really that route kind of was intended to be part of California State Route 203 if they ever actually pursued the state building it across to Mammoth. Uh, they never did. Then we get into later in July when I went out to the San Francisco Peninsula to check out older alignments of California State Route 1, uh, namely Swanton Road, Stage Road through Pescadero, and most prominently Old Pedro Mountain Road north of Montero to Pacifica. Uh, this one we di I did a full roadcast on, but basically Old Pedro Mountain Road was uh, the original alignment of California State Route 1, which went over Montero Mountain. Uh, it was replaced in 1937 by Devil's Slide. So really cool abandoned roadway that, that I really enjoyed. Like I, I ran it uh, so I can say that I ran from Montero to Pacifica. It's really good. You could take a mountain bike out there. It's not anything that you can drive on for sure, um, even if it was open to the public, but it's just kind of a really cool road. So going down the line, some of the stuff that we did look into, um, I did check out the Midway Palm and Pine on U, uh, former US Route 99 near Avenue 9 in Madera County. Uh, that was really popular in our blog series. Uh, it's a pine and cedar tree. Well, it's not a pine tree. It's a cedar tree, uh, which would definitely kind of lend evidence why it grows so well in Central Valley with all this heat. Um, in August, we went to Crater Lake National Park, kind of when the worst parts of the Dixie Fire was going on. Um, so the smoke was pretty bad. I did check out a lot of the corridor of U.S. Route 99 West, uh, so went through Arbuckle, Williams, Maxwell, Willows, Orlin, uh, Corning, all the way to Red Bluff. Uh, did check out Old US 99 on Main Street in Cottonwood. Old US 99 on Dunsmere Avenue in Dunsmere. Same thing with Mount Shasta City on Mount Shasta Boulevard. Uh, knocked out a lot of the remaining segments of Old US 99 uh, that I haven't been able to get to. Um... Uh, as far as Crater Lake itself, uh, we did the entirety of Rim Drive. Uh, so I thought about Rim Drive maybe being warning a full roadcast, um, but mm, not quite sure about that. I might explore this later on. But Rim Drive, uh, it kind of traces its origins to the completion of what was known as Rim Road in 1918. Uh, modern Rim Drive was constructed between 1926 and 1941. Uh, in 1934, the state of Oregon designated Oregon, a couple Oregon routes on uh, Western Rim Drive and Eastern Rim Drive, but they appear to have never been signed. Uh, it's kind of got a cool legacy entrance with the Eastern entrance, which was largely fell out of use after the close after U.S. Route 97 was moved off uh, Sun Mountain Highway to the east. Uh, so it's really kind of a cool road. I don't think people really kind of give it much credit as a scenic road but it's pretty pretty nice like i always have enjoyed rim drive and i think i've been to crater lake now 
either five or six times. I know I've been in every season, but uh, this was uh, this time we got down to the lake level. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name. I can't think of the name, but there's only one trail that goes down to the bottom of the lake. It's fairly steep. Um, despite the smoke, we were able to see the entirety of the lake, so kind of ended up working out. It was very, very smoky out there, given the size of the Dixie fire approached a million acres by the time it kind of died out. Um, from there, took Oregon Route 37, 39 and 139, and California State Route 39 back towards pretty much home. Um, it's kind of a neat roadway, kind of got an interesting history to it. Uh, Oregon Route 39 uh, was pretty much the original alignment of the uh, Dallas-California Highway before it was realigned kind of on the modern course of the U.S. Route 97 towards the California state line. Uh, within California, California State Route 139 was largely built by the federal government through Modoc National Forest, um, and even the southern segments are constructed out of joint history. You usually didn't see that with a lot of California state routes that they that the state didn't really have the majority of the involvement in. Uh, from Aiden, we actually took California State Route 299, which is former U.S. Route 299, back to Redding, stopped at Murney Falls. Uh, so going to be updating uh, the existing U.S. Route 299 blog uh, now that I have photos for probably 98% of the original U.S. route. Um, coming back, I, I couldn't stand doing I-5 through <laughs> Sacramento Valley. Uh, so we actually used uh, California State Route 99 from Red Bluff to Sacramento. Uh, a lot of that incorporates former U.S. Route 299. Uh, some of it's a cutoff that was kind of inherited from California State Route 21 and modernized. Uh, found some evidence in the California Highways and Public Works that that may have been intended to be the new main line of U.S. Route 99, uh, given that it was initially retained after the 1964 California State Highway renumbering. So conjecture there. Uh, it's kind of some evidence in the actual volumes that they were intending that um, the AA, the AASHO database doesn't really lend any more evidence other than US 99 was decommissioned in California in June of 1965. Um, from there, it took a couple weeks off, then we went to um, Yellowstone. So given the Caldor fire was going on at the time, uh, I really wanted to take US 50 across, uh, but that was really not an option at all, given it was closed because of the Caldor fire. Uh, so I took I-80 uh, across the Sierra Nevada mountains. Uh, I, I've done a lot of previous blogs and things like the Dutch Flat and Donner Lake Road, which became the Lincoln, North Lincoln Highway, Donner Pass Road. Uh, I never really got into too much detail in Interstate 80, so at some point coming soon, I'll be doing a lot of the history of that corridor as it kind of transitioned from a two-lane road to the interstate that you see today. Uh, as far as interstate corridors go, I-80 is not, it's not bad. It, it's pretty good uh, getting across the Sierra Nevada mountains. It's just uh, when you have just such a spoil of awesome trans-Sierra routes like, you know, you know, CA-88, CA-4 over Ebbets Pass, and Nora Pass, Tioga Pass. It's really hard to kind of justify unless something's going on or it's just the winter of taking I-80 sometimes. Uh, in Nevada... We made a lot of stops at some of the 
older alignments at US 40. Uh, did drive through Reno and Sparks uh, via US 40, what was US 40 and Lincoln Highway. Uh, same thing with uh, Wadsworth Fernley. Um, Lovelock, I uh, thought that was kind of neat, uh, given that it kind of got a neat courthouse uh, down there in downtown. And they also have a park which features, it's called Lover's Lock Park, where um, I guess like on Valentine's Day you're supposed to come in and place like a lock on a bunch of chains at the county courthouse. So it was kind of cool. Uh, diverged off in Winnemucca. Uh, following US 95 towards Boise via the Ion Highway. Uh, so again, this is another one that I really thought was fascinating. I haven't been on the Ion Highway in, in years. You're talking a segment of road that really for over 200 miles between Winnemucca and kind of the outskirts of Boise and Marcine is very, very desolate. Uh, it would really compete with even the likes of US 50 in the middle of Nevada. Um, Anyways, the Ion Highway, that it traces its origins to a cutoff road between the Oregon Trail and the California Trail, uh, kind of developed mainly because of the mines in Silver City, Idaho. Um, so there was some minor mining that went on in Jordan Valley. Uh, Camp McDermott was kind of a substantial enough military fortification in like, the 1860s that it really they got a stage route going, and it was called the Ion Cutoff. So it means Idaho, Oregon, and Nevada. Uh, the Ion Highway uh, was largely developed in the late 90s. And really was the reason why US Route 95 wasn't extended for so long is there was really not an automotive quality road to get across Oregon for quite a long time. Um, so once the modern Ion Highway was developed, uh, U.S. Route 95 was finally extended out of California in 1935. And what's interesting about reading the backstory of all this is the state of Nevada really wanted U.S. 95, and they put a lot of money into Nevada State Route 8 to get it into Nevada early. Uh, and the highway engineer for Nevada wanted uh, U.S. 95 to be approved before it was even completed before the Ion highway was even completed in oregon because uh, i guess this was allowed with us6 uh, when it was extended to california the aasho approved it before it was completed in nevada in utah uh so they said no when they tried when nevada tried it again uh boise uh, i haven't been to boise since the probably a little bit before 2010 um, Boise has changed a lot. Uh, it used to be pretty mellow. It, it's not mellow now. Uh, there's a lot of people that have moved there. It is really, 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 really being overwhelmed by a lack of infrastructure. Um, my brother, he lives there in, uh, kind of the Boise area. But, you know, I got a, you know, kind of went around the city, checked out a couple of bridges, you know, over the Boise River in downtown, uh, checked out Capitol, uh, you know, the Union Pacific Railroad Station, the state capitol building, um, you know, kind of like I did, did a walkabout of downtown Boise, checked out the gardens at the old prison building, I checked out the old um, prison colony on Eagle Island even, uh, did 80, Interstate 184, uh, checked out the extension of Idaho 16, uh, really though, they, they need they need more infrastructure there. Like trying to get uh, to downtown Boise on State Street in Idaho, State Route 44 was ugh, that was just brutal. Um, 
it kind of reminds me of Fresno. If Fresno didn't have like developed infrastructure, if it kind of makes sense, kind of similar, you know, metro areas. So uh, Yellowstone. From there, we rented a van, took my brother's family out to Yellowstone. They've never been. My wife's never been, so they seem to enjoy it. We did check out the corridor of US Route 30N in Pocatello. Uh, somehow we ended up down there because there was a restaurant my brother wanted to eat at, so we took a big jog from uh, Interstate 86 to get down that way. Uh, with Yellowstone, we ended up staying in Big Sky, so we ended up going over US-20 via Target Pass. Uh, checked out pretty much all the signage and things to see and watch Yellowstone. Uh, kind of unique where, you know, US-191 and US-287 all converge with US-20 at the park entrance and just disappear into the park. Uh, interestingly, um, US Route 91, and I completely forgot about this, uh, it does skate the western boundary of Yellowstone National Park uh, in Montana and Wyoming, and it is signed in the park. It, it's signed fairly well, and I believe it's maintained by the Montana Department of Transportation, uh, given that it looked like it was all their signage, so even the little tiny segment that was in Wyoming is seen to be maintained by Montana. Uh, just given the geography of the area, that would make sense. It's a popular trucking route. Um, but man, it's pretty, uh, just following that, that canyon towards Bozeman. That, that is a very, very pretty highway. I've always loved US 191. It's kind of my, it, really, that is my favorite US route. There's just so much scenery on that highway, uh, pretty much throughout and a lot of national park access. Uh, Big Sky, uh, we rented a condo, um, really not my thing. I would have preferred to stay in West Yellowstone, uh, it's a ski resort town. Uh, there's a lot of upscale restaurants, which really didn't do things like Thai food authentically. Uh, so not really my thing. Uh, it's kind of a nice town, though. I mean, it's just not my thing. Uh, they did have a free whiskey tasting event, though, and took advantage of that. Uh, Yellowstone, we did the south segment of the Grand Loop, uh, Grand Loop Road and kind of bridged it via uh, Norris Canyon Road from uh, Norris Geyser Basin towards, um, you know, the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone River. Um, I've always liked Yellowstone. I've, I've done, it, done it quite a bit. Uh, it's kind of neat to see that some of the signage is just unique. Like, they don't really give you, like, any indication, the Park Service, what's a through route. So it's always kind of been something interesting. The road community seems to be fascinated with um, with the lack of U.S. routes in Yellowstone. There, there's a true gap, um, aside from the corridor U.S. 191 in the western part of the park. Um, so U.S. 191, U.S. 89, U.S. 287, U.S. 20, uh, they're all gapped in Yellowstone, and really, you got to follow a map uh, if you want to find your through route. You really got to follow a map. You got to follow a Park Service map and pay attention to those junction signs because it's probably pretty easy to get turned around in there. So I always thought that was kind of interesting that Yellowstone doesn't do through route or continuation signage when a lot of other national parks do. Uh, example would be uh, Yosemite, uh, even though Tioga. Pass Road is not in the park, is not part of California State Route 20. The Park Service does sign it. Uh, not, I wouldn't say well, but well enough that really someone shouldn't lose the highway. Um, like uh, in Grant Grove of Kings Canyon National Park, California State Route 180 is signed like it's a Caltrans maintained road. They use the correct spec shields. 
So I always kind of wondered, like, what 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 rationale went into Yellowstone with not uh, signing continuation routes of the U.S. routes that kind of use the park. Uh, so yeah, that's just the kind of a brief recap of what I did during the summer, uh, as far as what's coming up in October. Uh, if I can swing it, cause the rain is probably going to come here and start here in central California sooner rather than later. I'd really want to get out to the new Adria mine. Uh, somebody I know in one of the local historical societies did check out new Adria road after it washed out. It is passable up to mile marker 20. So that would only leave me like a mile, mile and a half hike to get to the ghost town site. Um, this is an old Mercury mine that got abandoned in 1972. I really liked New Almaden when I did that earlier in the year, so I really want to check out New Adria. Uh, that's going to be much more haggard, but it's really not far from me. Maybe like a two-hour drive. Uh, as far as blogs, I really got to get through a lot of this US-99 stuff, updating it. Um, kind of get to the point where I am floating... In my, or I'm kind of racking my brain over whether or not it is viable to create our own U.S. Route 99 um, page on the Gribble Nation blog site. I think so. It seemed like Doug thinks so too, given he's done a lot of U.S. Route 99 in Oregon and Washington. Um, I would really like to at least uh, get what I got on my plate out of the way first, which would include updating U.S. Route 299. Um, you getting something going for uh, US, two route, U.S. Route 299 East between Red Bluff and Sacramento. And I'd like to get something done for Los Angeles to San Bernardino, given just how much of a shift was with that. Uh, so that's kind of a page update thing. But, um, yeah, uh, as far as the blogs, you'll kind of see some of the stuff I talk about kind of trickle in over time. Uh, I would really like to get around to kind of putting some of the stuff Dan did on his Roadway Wiz episodes, like in Los Angeles, San Diego, uh, kind of the blog form and kind of incorporate his videos into it, given, you know, given Dan did a really good job on them and I, I was part of them. Um, because really, I don't have a lot of motivation to drive freeways. I've driven a million times at work scenarios down in Los Angeles. I'm trying to get the motivation to go down there and explore some of the surface highways. Uh, but I'm thinking that's maybe going to be probably like a winter thing. Because I know my wife is looking to visit a park or two down there. So yeah, um, pretty brief recap, I think. I don't even think this is going to hit the 30-minute mark. But yeah, summer trip. Summer trips, a little bit different this year, given I was trying to kind of avoid crowds and go different places. But, hey, kind of worked out. So, yeah, this has been Tom with the Gribble Nation Roadcast. Thanks for listening.